I'm telling you, they were excited about it. So you'll catch it next time, or maybe they'll show it down at the end of the uh, the end of the message. I don't know, but praise God. So glad that you're here this morning. Are you glad that you're here? I said, are you glad that you're here? All right. I mean, I'm glad that you're here. We're having a good time with this message called Selfie. And, uh, uh, you know, some of the selfies that you've sent in uh, are, are just worth the million dollars. And so uh, we're purposing to snag some of them offline as well just so that we can blackmail you down the road. And uh, so we'll raise the money for our youth division one way or another. You know, we'll, we'll figure that out. So <laughs> uh, praise God. We're just uh, having a good time with this. Amen. Why don't we just bow our heads for a moment and pray. Just welcome God in here so that we have the opportunity to, to have a glitch-free rest of the message service, right? All right. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to bring your word. We thank you that at the entrance of your word, it brings light. We thank you that we have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive. And so, God, we thank you that today is a life-changing day in Jesus' mighty name. And we all said, Amen. 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 Well, you know, I mentioned this last week. I said that during the summer months, one of the things that I enjoy doing is that we have the opportunity to talk a little bit deeper because as a result, one of the things that we see is that individuals uh, that are really just serious about God come to church during the summer. Not that going on vacation is a bad thing, but, you know, you realize that you can just get kind of lackadaisical and think, dear God, I like my pool. I like hanging out with uh, uh, the kids or whatever. And you just can get lazy during the summer. You know what I'm saying? And so you see that there's the cream of the crop that comes out on a Sunday during the summer. And as a result, I just believe that God is doing some awesome things in your lives as a result of just the Word of God. You realize that the Word of God can change your life? I said it can change your life. And as a result, the Bible says that the Word of God is a foundation by which we build our life. The Bible says that the storms of life are going to come to every individual. He said the one that builds his house on the sand, he said the storms will come and the winds will blow. And great was the fall of that house. But the Bible says the man that builds his house upon a, the rock or the firm foundation of God's word, word he says the, the winds will blow, the storms will come. He says, but his house will stand. I don't know about you, but I want my house to stand because the, te- the test and the trials, they come, right? Anybody in one right now? Well, this is good news for you because this will help you stand the test of time. You know, I realize as well... That many times, in fact, I heard somebody say this not too long ago, said, you know, uh, I wish you would just uh, preach a little bit more meaty stuff because, you know, I know all that stuff that you're preaching. And I, I said, well, you know, it's the, the elementary things that we, we, we build the foundation upon, right? You realize that when you go to school, uh, you start out with elementary, right? Anybody ever go to kindergarten? Sure. First, second, third, fourth grade. And what are you learning? You're learning the basics, Right. You're learning the elementary things. And everything that you learn in the elementary time of your life, everything else is built upon that. You learn your ABCs. Everything else when it comes to grammar, comes to English, comes to reading is built upon the ABCs. You learn about math, adding, division, multiplication. It's based on the elementary learning of numbers, right? And so everything is built upon those elementary principles. And I just am firmly persuaded that if we begin to grab hold of this series and understand what God is talking to us about, we will see life look different. Life will begin to take on a whole new meaning. And joy can be something that we truly experience in our life. Amen? Amen. Amen. I love it when you, you respond. So that's really good. Praise God. Well, what is a selfie? A selfie is one of those pictures that we take of ourselves. And most of the time, it's one of those pictures that we think are flattering of ourselves and that we want everybody else to see, right? Right? 
seeing some of those up there. I, I can see you looking at it. It's not too flattering. You know, I, uh, my wife and I, we celebrated our anniversary yesterday. And so when we're out, we're just kind of having dinner. And so we're trying to get a selfie of ourselves to remember the moment. And every time I take one, my wife says, I don't like that one. I don't like that one. I don't like that one. And so, I mean, we took like 25 pictures and, and we couldn't find one that she liked. You know, I thought, you know, I look pretty good. You know, so can I just put it up? I but anyways, you know, you're purposing to catch the moments. You know, and by the way, I said we were celebrating our, celebrated yesterday our uh, wedding anniversary. It's been, thank you, 10 happy years. So, um, well, we've been married 17 years, but 10 of it's been, whatever. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> that's what you said to me, so I don't know. But uh, anyways, uh, we we're purposing to take selfies and, and just show off the moment and the memory of us going out and having our anniversary date. And so, once again, as we purpose to find out what uh, the Word of God says, if you remember last week, we said this, in the Word of God, there is 130 verses or references in the New Testament that speaks of who we are in Him, or it says in whom, or in Christ. So in other words, in the New Testament, there are 130 selfies of who you are, or who you are in Him, or who you are in Christ. And if we begin to identify our selfie in the Word of God, it will change your life. Because you're not going to just see you the way you see you. You're going to see yourself the way God sees you. Amen? So as we start into this second part of our uh, series called Selfie, I want to bring to your attention concerning the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, uh, maybe you didn't realize it, but there was forgiveness of sin. You know, we look at what Jesus came to do and we say, well, He came to forgive us of our sin. And that is true. But in the Old Testament, there was forgiveness of sin. So what's the significance or what's the difference? The difference is is that in the Old Testament, the forgiveness of sin didn't last. It was only a covering. In other words, it was only a band-aid to cover up the sin that was there. And it didn't last forever. The Bible says that every year the priest had to make sacrifice for the atonement of the sin. And so therefore, there was a constant reminder that we weren't right with God. There was always this sin consciousness of saying, well you know what, we're forgiven, but only for a time. And so the difference with what Jesus came to do, He came to pay the price once and for all, and that through the shedding of His blood, that there was forgiveness of sin that was not just a covering of sin, but it was a total eradication removal of sin. And so therefore, as a result of what Jesus came to do, and in this understanding of who we are in Him, it's not a matter of, well, i got to get right with God. The fact of the matter is, is that I am right with God. Jesus paid the price so that I could have right standing with Him. There is forgiveness of sin. And again, as I said, it wasn't just the fact that He removed it. He eradicated it. And how did He do that? The Bible says that He did that through the death, the burial, the resurrection, and through the shedding of His blood. If you remember what we said last week in Galatians chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, Paul says this, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Notice what it says. It says that you were crucified 
with Christ. So therefore, the Bible says that really what took place, when Jesus died, you died. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, we said this last week, the Bible says that if you're in Christ, everybody say, in Christ. In Christ. Say, I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. The Bible says if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So there is a new creation that took place as a result of what Jesus did and upon us receiving Christ into our life. But notice what it says here in verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Everybody say, in Him. So the Bible says that this new creation in Him was made righteous. This new creation, you, when you receive Christ, what is the new creation that He made? He made a righteous new creation. He didn't make an unrighteous new creation because the creation that He made was already unrighteous because of the fall of man, because of sin. But the Bible says that Jesus shed His blood, so sin was diffused, eradicated, and upon us receiving Christ and becoming a new creation or a new creature in Christ, the Bible says that what you were made new in was in the righteousness of God or you were made righteous. That word righteous means right standing. Come on, do you realize that you're in right standing? The enemy will do a great job to remind you of your past, of your faults, of the mistakes, and say, well, do you really think you're forgiven? Do you think that God really loves you? Do you think that you're really where you need to be with God? And the Bible tells us that through what Jesus came to do, we were made in right standing with God. Everybody say this when they say, I am the righteousness of God. Therefore, I am righteous. Amen. So... The Bible says that Jesus came to live on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit came to dwell on the inside of you. Now, let me just bring it down to home in in regards to your particular dwelling. We all live in a home or we have a house or an apartment of some kind. Now, if I was to get around you for any length of time, do you realize that you have a smell? Now, I didn't say it was a bad smell. (laughs) I'm just saying you got a smell. It might be your cologne. It might be your perfume. All of us kind of have that fragrance that we like. And so you get get around certain people and it's like, oh, somebody, so-and-so must be around, right? Because you're familiar with the smell. Well, if I was to go to your home, your home would smell like you. Does that make sense? Now, again, if you smell kind of stinky, well, and I'm assuming your home would be kind of stinky too. But it smells like you. Why? Because you dwell there. And then if we was to have forensic come into your home and dust for prints, all over your house, it would have your fingerprints on everything all over your home, right? Because you dwell there. But the Bible says that God came and dwelled in us. When we received Christ into our life, He came and settled in, and the Bible says that we became His home. And so therefore, the Bible says that as a result, we become to take on His image and His likeness. In fact, the Bible says this. It says through what Christ did, that He caused caused us to, to display a fragrance of His victory. And the Bible says that we are His trophies. 
Are you getting that? I said, through us, He diffused a fragrance of His victory. And we are His trophies. We look in the mirror and say, oh, you blew it again. But the devil looks at you and says, you are the victorious trophy and the reward of what Jesus came to do. You might be dragging your lip thinking like, oh, I just stink, man. I'm just a lousy. But when you walk in the room, there is a fragrance that's dispelled and it's of His victory in you. Why? Because He lives on the inside of us. You receive Christ. What am I talking about? I'm talking about us beginning to see us the way He sees us, that we are victorious, that we live in and through Him. Amen? Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. How many of you like the Word of God? Isn't it this awesome? Hebrews chapter 11. Thinking I got the wrong reference here. <laughs> Let me find it. Actually, chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 14. Now, I'm going to read a couple passages of Scripture, but it's going to kind of lay out everything that we just talked about. It says, in verse 14, it says, For if by one, one, uh, by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified, but the Holy Spirit also witnessed to us, for after he has said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he added, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. So you don't have a past. Now, I know the enemy's real good at rewinding the tape. Right? Let me play it for you again. And you're like, oh, dear God, I wish I could just forget that. But the Bible says that God forgets your past. Amen? Then it goes on to say in verse 18, it says, Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. What causes us to have boldness? The blood of Jesus. Verse 20 says by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. Now notice what it says. It says that we can draw near. In other words, the Bible says that as a result of what Jesus came to do, we can draw near to the Father with full assurance of faith. Now, this is the big thing that really causes us to get hung up. That as a result of us having a sin consciousness or remembering or thinking about all the things that we've done wrong or how much we've messed up or how we've failed God, does anybody ever feel like they failed God? I'm telling you what, I think it's a daily thing for me as a pastor where I think, God, I failed you again. And I've got to jerk myself up and say, no, I've been forgiven and there is no more sin conscious. There is no consciousness of failure because in Him, I'm a new creation. 
I'm telling you, if we could grab hold of what He did in us through the blood of Jesus, how He made us pure and made us righteous, it would change our countenance. It would change this depression, this heaviness that oftentimes we carry. I shared with you last week that it was just a matter of a few years ago that I went on vacation with my wife and my, my children. And as we're there at the water park, everybody's having a good time. They're laughing. And I am totally miserable. And I went and got in the bathroom and I'm looking in the mirror and I'm standing there on the counter and I'm thinking, dear God, I should be happy. I'm here with my family. We're here having a good time and the kids are, are, are wanting to have a good time, but I'm Debbie Downer. I'm, having, I'm, I'm causing it to be just a, a, a poor experience because I'm feeling so yuck. And I said, God, why am I carrying this heaviness? And God says, because you keep seeing yourself through the failures, not seeing yourself the way that I see you. And when I began to change my thinking and not looking at me as how I see myself, but seeing myself how God sees me, it began to change my thinking. It began to change my emotions. Do you realize that your emotions will dictate to you a lot of how you want to feel? Right? But if you begin to find out who you are in Christ, your emotions and your feelings will change. Because you're more than what you see just on the outside. Amen? The blood of Jesus created the ability for us to have fellowship with God. And here's the thing. We talked about the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they had relationship with God, but they did not have fellowship. But what Jesus came to do was to restore the fellowship. Now, many times believers have relationship with God. They're Christians. They would go to heaven if they were to die. But so many believers lack fellowship with God. And if we do not have fellowship with God, we will never be satisfied. Because it's in the fellowship with God that causes us to begin to identify with who we are. Are you here this morning? With the lack of fellowship, we come to church and it's just simply a mere experience of coming to church and putting my time in. But if I have fellowship, I come to church saying, I want to worship God. I'll move to the left. I'll move to the right. I'll jump. I'll shout. Why? Because I know and have fellowship with the Creator, the one that is able to do anything and take care of all my problems. But when all I have is this mere relationship, I'll come to church and say, yeah, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. Is it about over yet? But when we truly have fellowship... We love being around the body of Christ because we are the body of who He is. I love hanging out with the believers. I love hanging out with the family. Why? Because you're part of who I am. I get to look at you and see the success of what God has made you to be. With fellowship, it allows us to genuinely have a relationship with God that's enjoyable. Let me ask you this question. Has anybody ever been harassed by the devil? And what I mean by that, just that voice, that, just that nagging in your ear that just don't go away. That talks about how you don't measure up. Reminds you of how bad you feel. Reminds you of the situation that you're going through. Reminds you of how depressed you are. Reminds you of how your body feels. Reminds you how you need that substance to get over the hurdle. You need that substance to get you uh, over the, the, the trials and the pains and the struggles of life. Right? But if you remember, we saw this in chapter 19, or excuse me, verses 19 and 22. 
Let me read it to you again. It says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Remember, we talked about that from the very beginning, that it was the blood of Jesus that caused us to be righteous in right standing. Verse 22 says, By a new and living way, which He consecrated for us, through the veil which is His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart a full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. It says that we can come to God boldly, with full assurance. And then as a result of coming to Him, the Bible says, come boldly and hold fast to the confession of your faith. So what does that mean? That means when I have fellowship with God, I get into His presence, I get where He's at, and sometimes that might be in the arena of church. And when I get into His presence, the Bible says He gives me things to say. Hold fast to your confession. Where do I get my confession? By having fellowship with Him. Well, it must be some strong words that He gives me that I can be confident and be bold. Right? Why would I need strong words? Because the enemy talks awful loud. Well, you know how you're going under? You know how you're never going to get out of that financial mess? You just keep on digging yourself deeper and you're never going to get out of there. Well, wait a minute. I was just in in the presence of God. I was having some fellowship with Him. And my God reminded me of Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, where it says, My God shall supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory. Yep, I think I'll hang on to that word. That's a strong word that I'll trust and and, and have faith in rather than accepting what you say, enemy. Or the doctors come and they say, well, the report looks pretty bad. It looks like you don't have a, a very long life to live. In the fellowship with God, He gives you a strong word. By His stripes, I'm healed. Well, it seems like it's impossible. Oh, but I got a strong word that says with God all things are possible. And nothing's impossible with Him. Do you see how in that fellowship God begins to give you something to say back? He begins to give you a confession. He begins to give you something to say. Amen? You know, there's been different times, you know, when I think about my, uh, my children. My son, for that matter. Uh, there's something that uh, people always say about him whenever we go somewhere. You know, we'll take him to another church and, and, and they'll say, man, he just has such a sweet demeanor. There's just something so nice about him. And I always try to tell them, well, it's because of me. But, you know, they don't buy that. But, uh, but what my wife will say is that it's what, her, it's what his dad speaks over him. And every night when we go to bed, and I'll say prayers with my son, I'll, I'll, as I begin to pray, I say, God, I thank you that he has a soft and gentle spirit. I thank you that he has a mind at peace and a body at rest. I thank you that he'll fulfill the call of God on his life and that he'll know you. Those are the words that I'm speaking over him. It is my confession of faith over him. It's, it's what God has given me to, to declare over him. And as a result of those strong words, therefore as a result of what he's given me, I'm seeing that come to fruition in his life. You know, when my wife and I, uh, we had a miscarriage uh, the very first time she was pregnant. And so obviously as you have a miscarriage, you know, you're devastated thinking, dear God, you know, we wanted that little child and, you know, you're just heartbroken. And then we happened to go to a service, uh, another church, and there was a guest minister that was there. And we were sitting somewhere in the back. And the guest minister stops and says, 
you back there. The Lord wants you to know that very thing that was conceived in your womb will come to fruition and it will go to full term. We never said anything to anybody. We didn't say that we were pregnant again. We didn't say boo because we just kind of wanted to write it out because we were a little bit nervous about the first time and didn't want it to have a second time. But the word of the Lord says you will have a, 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 that which is in your womb will come to full term. And we're like, whoa, isn't God good? Now, with that pregnancy, there were some complications. But in the midst of that pregnancy, God, the strong word that you gave us was that it will come to fruition that it will come to full term. When we're sitting there and it, we're, we're premature and there's complications in the delivery, your mind wants to run rapid. You want to, to, to just cry and say, God, where are you at in this? But we said the strong word is and the confession of our faith is that this baby will come to full term, that everything is as it ought to be. And she was born and everything was good and she's going to be nine in two months. What's my point? My point is, is that there is this fellowship that we have with God. And in His presence, He will begin to help us serve Him and know Him and walk with a confidence that we've never experienced before. Amen? Amen. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says this, We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. What's your testimony? What is it that you're saying? Is your faith in the blood of Jesus and what it came to do to make you free and to make you righteous? Or is your words and your confession that which you see and only what you see? The Bible says that we can hold fast to that confession. Now, it's important in the words in which you speak. Let me give you an example here. Anybody remember that story of the children of Israel that were enslaved to Egypt for 400 years? Do you remember the very last plague that came upon Egypt? Death visited Egypt and God said to Moses, He said, apply the hyssop or use the hyssop to apply the blood over the doorpost and over the mantles. And when the angel of death comes by, as he sees the blood, he will pass over you. You recall the story? So everyone that had the blood marked on their home over their family, they escaped death. Do you recall what took place next? Pharaoh let the people go. And that whole entire story is a type and a shadow of what Jesus was coming to do. As they let them go, do you remember how they left Egypt? The Bible says that they left with the gold and the wealth of Egypt. And it says that not one single person was feeble or sick, that God healed every single individual, and they left Egypt being prosperous, wealthy, and healthy. And so therefore, as a result of the righteousness or your right standing with God, you apply the hyssop of the blood of Jesus with your tongue or your words. And therefore, as a result, when the enemy comes and he wants to tell you the lie, he wants to, to, to express the facts and how bad things are, you allow your mouth to begin to declare by the word of your testimony and by the blood of Jesus, no, I believe in what the word of God says. And as a result, you'll see that death will pass you by or whatever is trying to destroy your life. 
and you can begin to step out and say, God, I believe that I can be healthy, I can be wealthy, I can be whole, I can be set free because it is the type, it is the example that you set before us and it's what I believe to take place in my life. The blood of Jesus is what covers but also eradicates the sin consciousness of our faults and our failures. I'll conclude with this example. You remember just uh, a few months ago, was it last year sometime, there was the Ebola virus that was, was in the headline news? If you remember, that virus, there was no cure. And there were those that went to help with those that were being plagued by this disease. And so many of them that went to help were contracting the virus and dying themselves. And one of the Americans that went over there to help, I believe it was, uh, they contracted the disease and they said, we have some medicine. It's very rare, it's very expensive, and we'll try it and see if it works. They gave the individual the medicine, and sure enough, the medicine worked. But then you remember shortly after that, just a few weeks later, there was another doctor. He contracted the virus. But there was no more medicine to give. So they said, let's give him the blood of the first individual that beat the disease. Because in the blood is the antibodies that beat the disease in the first place. The antibodies is the memory cell of how and what it was needed to destroy the virus in the body. So when they gave them the transfusion... The antibodies went to work and he was made well. What's the example? The blood of Jesus has been applied to your life. Sin would say that you have to be sick. Sin would say that you have to be poor. Sin would have to say that you have to go through the experiences and the junk of life because you're unrighteous. But the Bible says that the blood of Jesus has made you righteous. And by the blood of Jesus, the antibodies that defeated sin, defeated failure, defeated depression, defeated sickness, defeated poverty and lack, the antibodies that set us free are flowing through our bodies and therefore we can say, I am standing whole, free, and delivered because of the blood of Jesus. And that is my confession. Amen? The blood circulates through your body every 34 seconds. And every time it circulates, it brings fresh health and life. Why do you think it's so important for you to come to church? Because there's fresh circulation of the life of God. It stirs you up. It reminds you. It encourages you. It causes us to be free. And it allows us to stand in the position the way that God saw us and sees us. Amen? I hope you're beginning to see your selfie and that you're free. Amen? Can we stand? Can you say this with me? Say, I'm free because of the blood of Jesus. I have been made righteous. I'm in right standing with God because I'm a new creation. Say it again. Come on. Say it with me. I'm a new creation. I'm His. My confession is I'm free. Devil, I remind you of who I am 
I'm free from sickness, free from depression, free from lack, free from pain, free from the past because of the blood of Jesus. And I am righteous in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hello and welcome.